and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 87. For this episode, I've been joined by my friend Donovan, someone I've not actually met in person, but Donovan's a guy who you've probably heard me reference on the podcast quite a few times. He's the person who's been best for recommending modern black metal to me. So for this episode, I got Donovan to bring in a load of his his favourite recent releases. I think this list goes somewhere between like 2016 to the current year, so we got a pile of nine albums that are all sort of a kind of mixture of his general taste. Um, and the, like, I, I sort of <laughs> really was excited for this episode because I've never asked a guest if they want to be involved before and had such a quick and enthusiastic response. <laughs> I had sort of, I messaged Jonathan saying, oh, do you fancy bringing some albums along? And, um, and he came back to me within an hour of like, Here's the albums. Here's the song I want played off each. Here's a timestamp of where it's going to sound good. So, yeah, definitely a good choice of guests. This guy has incredible enthusiasm for this. So, Donovan, do you want to like sort of introduce yourself and like tell us a bit about how you got into black metal? Yeah, first of all, I picked the songs and the albums, but I mean, we all know Phil, and he's the gold standard of researching and information. And I'm just a little bit more of like this fucking rules, man. Uh, bleeding edge, looking for new shit, falling in love with it, and just moving on to the next thing. And so when Phil asked me he wanted to be a guest and pick some songs, obviously, like he said, I jumped at the chance. And uh, first thing is, we all know Phil's voice. I don't have it. So, Phil, I'm going to send you the recording of my voice dry. No special effects in the chain. Feel free to put a nice, deep, smooth reamping to my voice, maybe like an orange amp sim, sort of like a sun. And then, because uh, I don't have his made-for-radio voice. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, I really had to think about what I would do for stuff that would be on Phil's because Phil's audience is, I'm assuming, a pretty knowledgeable audience because you listen to this show. <laughs> I mean, you, you're interested in it. And I didn't want to pick stuff that would be all like, yeah, yeah, we all know this. And I mean, I wanted stuff that was accessible to people that weren't just pure second wave recorded in a dungeon but I didn't want stuff that was that well-known that it's old hat and everybody's like, yeah, we all know this. So while I picked some new stuff from this year, the other stuff I picked is stuff that I loved. And I always said, if I get invited on a podcast, which is how I came up with this so quickly, these are some songs that I think people would like that they just aren't aware of. You know, it's just not, for whatever reason, it didn't hit it off. I found it out about this stuff by literally reading blog after blog after blog for like one year I was just reading everything um partly because I got into black metal very late I got into black metal probably four years ago um I'd say though the first album I fell in love with that paved my way into getting into black metal and this was way before black metal is when I was a sophomore in high school and that's the ride nowhere by the band ride it's one of the pillars of the shoegaze movement like my bloody valentine swerve driver slow dive but there was something with that ride album in, in particular it's chaos it's feedback it's a wall of noise but it's just beauty too and it just spoke to me different than other stuff i mean like how can you make that sound so beautiful and yet it was and at the time i was really into megadeth metallica slayer punk uh gothy stuff like sisters of mercy joy division i think all that just sort of melded together to introduce me to the next thing which was deaf heaven that's how that's how you get into it when you're coming from where i was um i mean i think the first inkling i thought that 
I might be into black metal because, I mean, some, I'm 47. So some of the younger people here don't understand how it used to be back then. But we actually watched MTV, uh, Headbangers Ball, to learn what stuff was new. And at that time, <laughs> I sort of laughed at it because it was like Demu Burger had those crazy videos with big pianos <laughs> with skulls or organs with skulls on it. It was just over the top. And, you know, then there's immortal videos. We all know those. Um, but then I saw Satyricon's Fuel for Hatred and King. And those two were like, Eh, this black metal might be something. But the thing is, those songs aren't really what I would call black metal. They're almost, I don't know, they're a little more pop, if you would, as far as black metal goes. Um, but I did like the voice. And I was really into Dillinger Escape Plan, Between the Buried and Me, a lot of mathcore. And, and then I discovered Zao and Haste the Day. And those vocals were like what sort of drove me into the black metal vocals. And it, in the, they basically opened me up for Deaf Heaven, which is when Sunbather came out, and I heard that. And also, about in the same time, Year of No Light came out, and I forget what their album was. Uh, drawing a blank, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on Year of No Light, so I can't help you on that one. And, and the thing is, I remember, I remembered liking it when it came out, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I like that one as much as I used to. I don't know what I saw in it, but at that time, I saw something in it. And I started falling into the rabbit hole and I started listening to stuff like Mole. Um, and I realized that I sort of was getting into atmospheric black metal. And then my girlfriend started listening to a lot of Waltane. And we just sort of just slid into this hole and Agalock, Sayor, Akathaxis. And then that's how we're here where we are today. And I sort of have some of these bands are some of my introductions. Yeah, and what's what's really interesting, you brought up the thing about this list, you going for something that's purposely quite sort of underground or lesser discussed. And of these nine albums you brought in, I knew two of them ahead of time. And one of those two, I probably only know about because of you, or at least they're definitely, you were the person who introduced me, whether I would have found them later or not, I don't know. But yeah, it, it's, um yeah, so I'd be surprised if this lot isn't fairly new to the listeners. I think this stuff is pretty underground, as far as I can tell. Well, also, some of them are very obscure, as far as no one knows who they are anyway. They're anonymous bands. You know, some of them really have nothing to them. Yeah, the thing I want to say, actually, was really interesting about sort of Donovan's taste in black metal, which makes you quite atypical to the average black metal fan I've, I've met. As you mentioned as well, like, that thing you sort of do if you... You find the new thing, you love it, and you move on. Which means you're you're deep into black metal. You, you own hundreds of albums, know so many of these bands. But of the classics, they're not really your primary thing. Like You don't dislike them, but you, you're not someone who's got like the big Mayhem Immortal Satoricon collection. You've, you've got more by kind of, yeah, the, the more modern bands than you do those. Right, I like them. But honestly, I always go, well, if there's ever a time things slow down and I'm going to go back and deep dive and I'm trying to do it now. But, um, of course this pandemic has actually accelerated releases <laughs> and I thought it would go the other way. I thought it's like, Oh great. I'm going to go back and like, I used to listen to dark throne, but I, but I listened to dark throne albums that weren't the classic ones. I listened to stuff like the more punky ones because I was into punk and yeah, when I go back and get more into them, I give them all a listen you know, and yeah, oh yeah, this is cool. I'll go back. But this new album just came out. Let me check it out. And I never get around to going back. So yes, you're right. I have a, a, a 
the depth isn't deep, but the breadth is really wide. <laughs> yeah, and it's just an interesting perspective because so many metalheads who you know, like into a lot of stuff mm-hmm. get properly into that historian mindset. I'm quite bad for it. Like with death metal, I listen to so much more older stuff than I do new. And I think like listening to newer in a way is great because it means you're you're sort of exploring the scene as it's happening rather than you know unearthing stuff by bands that are like you know long long out, out of action. Well, there's also this part of me that's always like, I want to, I like to push stuff. I like to introduce people to stuff. Everybody knows the other stuff. I, I'm always looking for the new stuff that nobody's heard of yet. I would be a great record <laughs> or like a a, a guy that finds talent, except that I don't want to do that. I'm, I just like to find it and then introduce it to the world through podcasts like yours. So <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, let's 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 get into this list of albums then. So talking of obscure, this first one there is very little about online. This is I think the first one you want to cover is Bloodbark with mm-hmm. their 2018, I believe, debut album, Bone Branches. So how do you come across this one, Donovan? Um, this was one that I found on Angry Metal Guy, and they did a in case you missed this, and so they missed it too when it was released, and they uh, they said, look. We don't know anything about it. They think it's from Russia. We don't know who it is. But they're like, the atmosphere on here is insane. And it is literally one of the most atmospheric albums you can find. I mean, that's that's about it. I don't know a whole lot more than that other than you'd have to listen yeah, to you, it. So do you want to give us a quick summary of the kind of sound of this album? It's, oh man. Think of... It's rousing. It's very makes you feel like you're in the woods and it's snowing and you're just. But it's very like you're going to go fight orcs. It gives me that feeling of like you're in a Tolkien world and has little murmurings of like the guys like some talking and uh, it's just an amazing. I don't know. This is where my words fail me. You can. <laughs> It's just a wonderful um, evoking of feeling. It's that's the atmosphere. Yeah, it's so it's one of those albums where the cover is like an actual photo of like a snowy mountainscape, and it's exactly the kind of metal you would expect for that cover. I mean, it's just three tracks long, and it's these long, like sort of repeating riffs with massive epic kind of keyboard sections. These kind of great high, but like quite far away vocals, like the vo- that the lyrics are not present at all. It's very much that like just evoking a kind of soundscape and atmosphere. And and as you were sort of saying, it's it's kind of weirdly like triumphant in places. It's so kind of epic. It's like it has got that sort of uplifting nature to it. Yeah, it's like a fantastic example of black metal being used purely to evoke atmosphere with nothing like. It's not one you go into for like the riffs. It's more a feeling, I think. Right. Uh, like one of the things they had mentioned in the review is they're like, "Look, it, fi- it finds itself mired in respective stuff. It it repeats itself a lot, but it's not just Atmo Black for being Atmo Black. It's doing a really, really good job of making the melody matter, and that's I think a really good point. And everything it lacks in dynamics, it's comp- compensated for in feels." And they're like, that's what ultimately Atmo Black is about. That and scenic album covers. And that's it. <laughs> that's basically <laughs> yeah. the best thing you can describe it as. 
Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, this is like of that kind of summoning mold of of black metal, that sort of... Um, yeah, I can see where you get the kind of Tolkien vibe for it because it's building off those bands that definitely have a that kind of uh, history to them. No idea what the actual lyrics are about. I'm sure it's very much mired in the usual, like, isn't nature great kind of yeah. stuff. But, I mean, that totally works. And they do... Although they, like, repeat a lot, there is, like, interesting ideas that happen as the mm-hmm. album goes on. Like, I love that the final track builds in, like, these, these like, interesting, almost, like, violin string quartet-type sections, which I assume are entirely synth, like, Flesh God Apocalypse do the synth orchestra. But it sounds really good. Like, yeah. it, it could have... You, you could fool me. I, I have no idea. It could be real or it might not, but I like the composition of it. It felt like that classical touch at the end really worked. The fact that nobody knows who it is tells me there's probably not a real symphony <laughs> behind it. It's probably him. But the, yeah. the, other, the, the other reason I picked this, actually, is I went back in my iTunes and Bandcamp, and I said, okay, what was the first black metal I got into after Beth Heaven, Mole, sort of the standards? And it was this. This was the first album I had purchased. And I was like, this is one that really led me down the atmospheric path. I mean, I listened to this one a lot for, like, the first month I got it. And that's yes, that's basically why I picked this one. Yeah, I'd, I'd highly advise this one. It, I think it's it's one that if you want that kind of, it's brilliant for that kind of music. I know I've been talking to a lot of friends about this recently. That kind of music you can happily work to. If you're someone who's distracted by too many dynamics in music, particularly really audible lyrics and stuff like this, this is perfect for just like it will put you in a really good headspace because. Like some of the, the more the, the DSBM scene has a similar effect of you can work to it because it's not too distracting, but the atmosphere it's evoking is so horrible. <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're not going to want to listen yeah. to three hours of that while working because it might put you in a bad headspace. This is a really good one for just like yeah, you can just let this play and it just evokes an amazing kind of feeling. And the, the one thing I think is if you're looking for, it, I think it's only on Bandcamp. I don't know if it's anywhere else. It's not on Spotify. I don't know if it's on YouTube or anything, but. It's on Bandcamp. And it's pay what you want as well. Like, you're not going to pick up a physical copy of this as far as I can see. Like, I I can't remember if it was on a label even or if it's just a self-release. It's self-released, I think. And or it might have been Northern Silence or it's self-released. But either way, the the reason they think it's from Russia is they sold merch for like a short period of time. And then they asked, please don't tell anybody where this came from. Like, but the word is this Russia, so it was probably Russia. Yeah, I, I, I like the anonymity to it, though. It's quite nice with a project like this to keep it so so devoid of any human touch, where it's like you've just got that mountainscape to focus on, right? And that, that's all you know. <laughs>
this will bring us to one that we'll probably have a lot more discussion on. And this is a band like, I've talked about a load. Uh, so this is Mayor Cogniton with their latest album, Solar Paroxysm, which um, which came out about a month back. And yeah, I've spoken about Mayor Cognitum a lot, but I've got Donovan to thank for he's definitely the guy that brought them to my attention and possibly brought iVoidHanger as a label to my attention overall, which is incredible because it's something I've now bought 50 <laughs> yeah. plus albums from that label. So yeah, thanks a lot for that. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, after I got into Blood uh, Bark, I started getting into like Together to the Stars, Sayor, Agalock, Cathaxis. And a cathaxis, I loved. And first thing I started doing was going down the branches of the guys that were in the band. And one of them is Miracognitum. And there's something about his galaxy music that just spoke to me. It's it's not the same type of atmosphere as you know the blood bark. It literally feels like space. And that's just it. And all his albums are fantastic. And then this album came out. And I'm like, I cannot leave this one off. People are going to know this because it, it just was named this Angry Metal Guys album of the month. Um, so, but I can't I can't ignore it. <laughs> I mean, this is what I'm going to bring up because the, the song that I picked is literally him really breaking some new ground. It's got solos. It's got some chugging riffs. It's not just straight atmosphere. It's got, I feel the songwriting has really gotten better. And I think it's his next level, which just makes me more excited for his next album, which now I know could be a, a while. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, the, he works impressively fast. So for those that don't know, Mayor Cognitum is the one-man project of uh, Jacob Bozarski, um, and he's put out this is like his sixth album now mm -hmm. and he's put out a lot in very short succession his previous one was the the split with spectral law wanderers astrology of the nine this two hour long epic which was one of one of my favorite albums of last year and just one of my favorite black metal albums in general and his kind of sound uh, as sort of donovan sort of alluded to the core of what he does is the the black metal thing his songs are Blast beats pretty much the whole way through, like tremolo picking pretty much the whole way through, and that kind of traditional high-pitched black metal scream that's kind of a bit distant and unclear. But for some reason, the way he constructs that has that like cosmic nature to it. it, has that sort of impossibly kind of spacey sound, but without having to resort to like the dark place kind of thing where it's layered in very sci-fi sounding keyboards. He does it all with just guitar melodies and without even use of weird effects but he creates these very interesting atmospheres and he ju he's just somehow taken that classic formula of black metal from like 2015 onwards and found a way to really invent within that without being like without ever deviating too much from the traditional formula which i, I think is incredible and i i would add the thing that's incredible is that he's put out a number of albums which all followed that same formula but i own all of them well i don't quite own all of them on vinyl some of them i'm trying to wait to see if there's a re-release because the prices have gone up considerably on discogs <laughs> I, I think the one is sitting at like 70 to 80 dollars with like 30 dollars shipping and i'm like ah, i'm gonna see if he represses this one so because i did get some of the represses 
I think I think he will do a full run of repressing because this is the thing. Like we assume you've probably come across Mercognito at this point because they just seem to, off the back of that last split and this album, they seem to be going up in popularity a ridiculous extent. Like that Ivoid Voidhanger roster in general seems to have gone from incredibly obscure to quite like sort of mainstream discussion of extreme metal, which is it's fantastic. I think it's totally deserving. But amazing, and like I think the sort of lockdown of COVID has played into this because bedroom projects are just as valid because no one's playing live to promote the album. So you live or die on the strength of your studio recording, and Mayor Cognitum are a band who can well and truly uh, compete with anyone on that front. Yeah, but that's all you've been doing your entire career. You, this is nothing new. Where other bands had to sort of recalibrate and like, okay, we have to he's doing it all himself where other bands like we have to sort of coordinate in different places at different times. And it's all new to us. Like, and he's just like cranking it out. Like let's go. What's really cool as well. I, I think he performs like the actual drums to these rather than being one, a one man project where that's the program aspect. And he's primarily a guitarist. Although he's as Donovan implied this album, the big development is he's finally really letting his guitar work shine with throwing in these long, incredibly well-constructed solos, which do amazing stuff. Like There's tracks in this where the solo will sort of emerge in and out of the long tremolo picking. He'll be tremolo picking one or two notes, like just a simple chord pattern. And the solo will sort of like, like crest above that in and out and go back in and like they then just drop into an interesting harmony with what's being picked. Then it'll be an interesting, like sort of more complex pattern. I, I was just, I was amazed by the lead writing on this because it's not something, I guess we've seen a bit of it and we sort of knew he could do it, but I love that he let that be the focus of this album in some ways. Yeah. There were a couple songs off the, uh, oh geez, Luminar Ath, whatever hit the last full length he did. You started hearing some of them come out, but it's not like Guns N' Roses or something where they set up for a solo and you see it coming. You're like, okay, here it comes. It just sort of, like you said, it arises and it just disappears. It's not like, it's, it just feels cool to, to see it bubble out and then go back in. And it's just very interesting. Yeah, I, I just, I love the way these songs are constructed. And as you mentioned as well, there's moments where he gets into this almost like, death metal like heavy chugging riffing but it's all the, the way the way this stuff works so well is it's all this seamless feel like you know the whole sort of 50 minutes or so of this album just feel like this very continuous like just logical progression despite all these interesting ideas and to say even yeah throwing those almost like death metal type like heavy aggressive riffing in there and then back to the kind of the tremolo and blast beat stuff like it's just really well constructed on that front well, it's interesting too because I went in my clip. I picked the one chugging riff, and it's it's like one of the riffs that I'm like, oh, this could be my riff of the year, and it's not a complicated riff. It's really, it's all comes from the setup before it, and all of a sudden you get this dun dun dun. And it's just a chugging riff that comes out of nowhere and surprises you, and maybe it's partly because I've never heard that type of stuff come out of Mercognitum. And it just threw me the first time I heard it. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm I'm on board. I'm I'm on. So I think this whole this whole album actually surprised me on that front of like it wasn't what I was expecting Mayor Cornetum to sound like. It the the production is far more like sort of wondrous. The previous one was this very raw, very kind of um 
what when you're talking about black metal that kind of production you expect where everything's a bit rough and but this one sounds really full and quite like pristinely produced by comparison so like it, on first listen it took me a moment to sort of adjust to it because i wasn't expecting it to sound quite this um this sort of well produced and i think it may have been the wanderers was partly because of the theme it was solar system it was all about the planets it was based off um i'm not going to know the guy's name but it was it was a a nine part oh book. halts the planet yeah screen. yeah so i think maybe that cold feeling that was part of what they were going for there but you're right it didn't lend itself to thinking this was going to come out of the next one where it's this warmer Still same theme, but it's better. Just sounds. Yeah, yeah. Although I, last year's was great, I love that album. That was <laughs> one of my top albums. Yeah, because you say, but you were saying for you, this one has just like cemented as the best thing they've done so far. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm, I, I haven't spent enough time with this one to say it's better than the previous one because I love that one so much. But I'm not saying it won't be. Like I'm just gonna have to see where I feel about this in, like, four months' time, I imagine. Yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> I loved last year's Split. And so it's just, I was still looking forward to it, and I heard it, and it met all my expectations. So I immediately I'm like, oh, it's better. You're right. I mean, it might take a year of, you know, looking back and going, okay, which one do I really like? I still think it'll be this one, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, and and interesting enough, like talking of these bands, like this having that kind of work uh, ethic. Spectral Law also has a release coming up very soon, oh, and the single from it is incredibly promising. It is amazing, and I have that <laughs> one on. So I have that one on vinyl, and I think Spectral Law stepped it up too. And uh, I think yep. this could definitely be his best one based on that single alone. I'm very excited. We'll see how the album shapes up, but it's just mm. once again, like I just love seeing I Void Hanger are really claiming it. Like last year wasn't a fluke. They they have so much more from this like roster of artists who are just thriving in that like working from home environment. Yeah, I mean that's their whole roster. Is I mean not all of them are one man bands, but a lot of them are, or one or two. And this, it's like I think they now have this label that can provide them with an with distribution and stuff and it's upping both of them i mean it's helping the artists are getting better and the labels getting better artists out of it it's just a symbiotic relationship and one of the things actually coming back to the album that they they help hooking them up with is artists for the cover and like this one has a cover by adam burke who's the guy um He's very prolific um, artist. He's the guy who did Artificial Brains, Infra- Infrared Horizon, Vector's Terminal Redux cover, like some of the great metal covers over the last few years. I'm not sure if this is like my favourite work by him, but it's it's another super cool picture. And like I I love that like, that's kind of getting coupled with these bands. Yeah, and my girlfriend found it for sale, the original, on the, the guy. Who, and it's 600 bucks, so I'm... Go fund me, you know. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that that's worrying. That's that's just about in the price range of like, oh, I could just about just yeah. It's like that. it's like I shouldn't, but I could, but I shouldn't. <laughs> you know, it's it's like right in that tipping point.
well, I think there will definitely be more talk about Mayor Cogniton as the year goes on. So let's move on to your next yep. choice. Um, this one is Formasis and their album, The Sixth. Uh, this is a German band, and unsurprisingly, The Sixth is a sixth album. So do you want to give people a bit of background to the sound of... Uh... Uh, yeah, okay. The reason I picked this is, for whatever reason, I kept going, do I like this? And I was like, yeah. And I would always go back and go, whenever I thought about an album that I really liked, it was this one. And I'm not sure what I liked about it. It's sort of... It's, it's it, they originally were sort of more pagan black metal roots, but they started getting a little more rousing choruses, but they still have the sort of like, um, <laughs> I know you can probably say it, I can't, but they have those sort of choruses in the vein of the um, band that does the ancient Icelandic, Anders Linda. Oh, Elstafelisson. Yeah, okay, you got it, that one. I mean, yeah, it took me ages to learn how to pronounce it, yeah. you know, because I did an episode on them. Yeah, and it's not quite that rousing. I mean, they're not quite that Viking-y about it, but um, it's it's just got these great things, and then it has uh, really good drums, great screeching vocals, <laughs> you know, and then it has several sections that actually remind me of Violet Cold, and I only noticed that recently when I went back to listen to it for this podcast. And I think it's because I heard this before I heard Violet Cold. And then I went, when I was listening to it again, I'm like, man, that's, that sounds like a lot like Violet Cold and who I love their album. And um, it also has some gang vocals that sort of remind me a little bit of hardcore. Like sometimes it's sort of, just an album that um, has something for everyone, I think. It's a little bit across, goes across the board. Yeah, I, I can see what you mean there. It was, it's a very varied release. Like, I, I got a very, like, track to track, I got a really different atmosphere from each one. Like, the first one was giving me, like, real, like, sort of later Death Heaven vibes. Uh, but then the second one was this kind of, like far more brutal black metal affair and then the third one like you get these really as you mentioned like proper folky clean vocal choruses because they have whole songs i but if i'm not misremembering they have whole songs where they don't do the clean vocals at all but then they have these moments of these like very folky melodic sections mm -hmm. which are quite a, a kind of violent change in the kind of feel of the the album i've got to admit of all your choices this is the one i struggle with most like i like bits of it but I found, um, I think overall, I found the atmosphere a bit too life-affirming for black metal. Like, yeah. it's a very positive-sounding album. Well, what's funny is th uh, this week when Spectral Wound came out, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, this is going to be the one that was probably the least going to be Phil's style. <laughs> I, 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 I gathered that. And I was like, maybe I, I should tell him to swap it out. But I was like, nah, we already went through it. And, you know, and I do like this album. It's it's probably my least favorite out of the ones I picked, but it's one that I did like, and it's one that, again, I think very few people will know. So Yeah, I, I think this, for a band with six albums, I have never heard this name before. Well, the how I heard of it, Angry Metal Guy, again, did a review on this one, and they gave it four out of five. And whenever you get over three at Angry Metal Guy, you're like, okay, this might be interesting. Cause, and they, they said, this is a band that every album, we're like they're stuck in this middling, like probably like two something, and all of a sudden this came out and they're like, 
it just came out of nowhere. They didn't see it coming. So that, I think that's why nobody had ever really listened to them. They basically ignored them after their first album. It is good stuff. Like, it, it's not entirely my thing, but I think a lot of that is, as I say, like, I was getting some sort of Death Heaven vibes from it in places. And I'm not someone who, but I'm not one of these people who's, like, absolutely anti-Death Heaven. They're just not something I've ever got really massively into. And that kind of, like, slightly positive black metal sound, I've never quite got my head around. But if that is something you like, this is a very well-executed version of it. And tracks like Track 2, like Thy Morbid Drunken Ways, yeah. I thought was a really great song. It's just when it went a bit folky, I was like, ah, but this is losing it. Like, those cleans aren't my style of cleans. Which is one of those, like, it, that's hardly even a fair criticism. It's just the oh, this, this isn't my kind of thing. <laughs> like, Yeah, and I actually thought about doing that, a clip from that song. It's just that that song, I am a little bit the same way you are. Some of it I love, and then some of it I was like, eh, maybe not that part. But mm-hmm. um, and again, like the reason I picked it is I'm like, hey, we got all kinds of listeners out there. Hey, this, if you don't like black metal, this one you may. I mean, this might be something that you can give it a shot and see if you like it. Yeah, I I think this this has got this is so different to the other two you recommended. There, like it is almost ridiculous to refer to those three bands in the same genre. Oh, right, exactly. It's they're not the same. Which is what I really like about this list. Actually, like sort of Donovan's list here covers the full spectrum. I think of what you can have within black metal without ever quite crossing into being what I guess we'd term avant-garde. It's it, it sort of sits neatly within the bounds of black metal, but there's a lot of variation there. That's what I tried. Let's move on to um, to one I was very into, unsurprisingly, based on the lineup. This is Obsidian Tongue with Volume 3. It came out in 2020. So I have a good idea how you know about this band, Donovan, but like, yeah. do you want to give some backstory to them? So I was going to suggest Falls of Raros for this, and then I remembered that um, I did Falls of Raros for the listener suggestions for Phil's Metal 
And I also did Shab Tea as one of the uh, suggestions for Phil's Breakfast Metal. And this has the same bass player for uh, uh, Shab Tea. And uh, the drummer is in both Shab Tea and Falls of Rars. So um, a lot of people are sort of familiar with the Cascadian metal, basically due to Wolves in the Throne Room. And when they think of Appalachian black metal, I guess, you think of Panopticon and probably Falls of Rars. But the, the thing is, they both are the nature-themed. It's just that Cascadians northeast U.S. and uh, or northwest, and Appalachians northeast. But in Maine, specifically Portland, there's several bands, and it's Obsidian Tongues, one of those bands. Um, Brandon Hader plays bass for Shabti, um, as well as guitars and bass in Thrall Sunblot and Obsidian Tongue, and Ray Caprice plays drums for Shabti, Falls of Raros, Obsidian Tongue, Panopticon, Live. He plays for the live band. Um, and they also have, there's Feral and Eve, which are another two bands from that area. Um, they're just, <laughs> I, Phil knows how much I love Shabti. <laughs> so anything related to them, when I first discovered them and went and saw them live, like two days later, I'm like, who is this band? Saw them live, started going down everything down that road and discovered Obsidian Tongue and Falls of Rose. So super nice guys. Recommend them highly and Obsidian Tongues. Great. So Yeah, that's they that's a really good backstory to them. So what's really interesting about Obsidian Tongue is the fact they have that lineup overlap with those two bands, like the kind of Shabti and Falls of Rose, whereas Shabti are these kind of interesting take on tech death with fantastically interesting bass playing like brendan hater is an incredible musician and then falls of raros this um kind of very beautiful black metal with fantastically guitar work um like obsidian tongue still have that thing like they very much feel like they they've got a right to exist as a separate project they they're a very different idea again and we see brendan hater really sort of spreading his wings with this one because he like so Raymond's doing all the drums, but Brendan is playing everything else. He's doing all the vocals, all the guitar work. And so we hear him on this, like, pulling off some moments of fantastically guitar stuff, um, throwing in a massive range of vocals, like, primarily in a black metal kind of style, but throwing in some really great clean vocals as well. And their songs are structured very differently to those other two bands. Like, Shabti are very condensed, like, five-minute tracks for the most part. Falls of Raros are these longer, expansive things. But then Obsidian Tongue go one step again, especially on Volume 3, where there's two tracks in this album that are, like, 15 minutes plus, I think. These huge, like, epic journeys. And then, like, a couple of shorter sort of almost interlude or just, like, you know, here's, here's a tight collection of riffs and then another massive, expansive epic. And I think, like, for me, I was totally sold with that opening track of that 15 minutes where it went through so many different ideas. Yeah, and then it ends with a mellow song. Just ends with like, it, it's. I thought it was just me because I'm like, I love this band. Nobody was mentioning them. And then uh, I talked to Wibberley from Into the, uh, Punishing Brutality. And Matt w Wibberley was like, it was one of his favorite albums of that year. And I was like, good, I'm not crazy. <laughs> it's not just me. Um, and they're a super nice guy. It was funny because, a um, little funny story about that, I ordered an Obsidian Tongue t shirt. And <laughs> admittedly, the T-shirt the wasn't the coolest T-shirt, but I was doing it to support the band. It was right at the beginning of, uh, I guess it would have been the end of 
2019, I ordered it and didn't hear anything. Didn't get months go by. I didn't get the t-shirt. So I wrote on Bandcamp. I said, Hey, just checking, you know, curious what was going on. Didn't hear anything. And I was like, so I wrote again, like a couple months later, I'm like, Hey, if you guys are out of that t-shirt or I'll just any t-shirt you have, cause they had some new t-shirts. I get this email back shortly and it, I noticed it and he said, well, we changed our uh, email from Obsidian Tongue at Yahoo to Obsidian Tongue at Gmail. And I never updated Bandcamp and just saw this thing. And he's like, we don't sell that many t-shirts. <laughs> he's like, so uh, he sent me two and it was great. And so, so I talked to him a bit and he's a super nice guy. Um, really recommend them. They seem like good people. There's a load as well to sort of sell this album, like a connection I didn't realize. So on the track uh, Poison Green Dream, I was like, this has got a real like Woods of Ypres vibe to it. Because I, I knew the Shabti and Fools of Raros connection, but I didn't know that um, Brendan played bass with Woods of Ypres like live right towards the end of that band's existence and is in Frostenblatt, which is kind of the, obviously after Dave Gold's tragic death, like, the, the remaining members of Woods of Ypres went on to that project. So, like, like that influence is in there, as well as some amazing, like, kind of agalochisms, certainly some nods to that, like, Panopticon sound, although not quite as woodlandsy as either of those right. bands. It's a bit more, um, yeah, it, it doesn't quite have that evoking of nature that those two have. But it has that similar sense of, like, grandeur and that ability to to build up massive melodic passages, which aren't ever that complex. It's just like lots of ever so slightly evolving ideas, which I, I really liked. Mm -hmm. And then taking, yeah, Woods of Ypres' incredible melodic sensibility for some of the shorter set songs. Right. And actually, Woods of Ypres, that's when I don't really know that well. That's, I guess I didn't dive down that branch. I got to do that. Yeah, they're, they're one worth revisiting. They would say probably an interesting one. Like, all five of their albums are very different, and you have to sort of engage with, for a band who have always always referred themselves as black metal, like a, a huge amount of clean vocals and very clear kind of vocal hooks, which is, they've got a uniqueness in black metal in that way. Right. But yeah, I, I'd highly evolve, uh, uh, highly advise giving them a look. Oh, something else interesting about this, um, the album was recorded by... Uh, Dave Kaminsky, who um, was the guitarist on Inhuman Forms Free, or one of the guitarists on that, who seems to be starting to sort of make a name for himself as like a recording guy. I've seen, I can't, I haven't made a note of any, but he's been involved in a few albums recently that like I really like the sound of, and Volume 3 has a fantastic sound to it. Like it's a really good recording. Yeah, the, all those bands have been getting good recording. Like Colin Marston did Shabti. Um, so they have. I think that's part of the reason some of those albums have come out so well. They've had good producing. Yeah, there is there is actually like yeah, a running theme with the, these bands of these guys must put a lot of time into getting their their kind of tones and everything because their albums always have that thing before you've had a chance to digest much. You're just initially like, oh yeah, this sounds good, but also kind of unique. Like Shabti are fantastically unique sounding band. Like as soon as you hear the way the bass sits in that death metal sound, you're like. Fuck! This is this is out there. I've not heard someone do this sound before, and yeah, I can't wait to hear more from that band as well. But Obsidian Tongue are definitely one I need to look up more. Yeah, I just talked to Shabti, and they said everything's ready to record, and uh, they're just waiting to get everything together. So, yes.
Uh, fingers crossed, then we'll hear something yeah. either later this year or next. covering is an end glitch uh with scales of existence uh from 2016 which is a one-man project from baltimore and i think this is is this their f- second of four albums i think this is um, the second one, right? yeah i think it's second then they had like a, a some a remix album a couple things like that but um how i found out this band so i went to a bar in harrisburg and uh if you anybody knows are you morbid the the old podcast are you morbid puts together they sort of do a little promotion thing where they book shows for this one bar in Harrisburg and i don't know the bands that are always going but i've heard like it's always been good like one time iat was there who, uh, that's how i heard about them and then i went one time and unendlich was there and blew me away and it turns out that was actually their second live show because he it's a one person band and he actually got a live band together and uh they were incredible i was getting ready to see them like one week before lockdown (laughs) and it got canceled so i was gonna see their second yeah so i was gonna see them again um they the guys just an amazing i love his voice i love everything about the band i think his songs are really cool it's a little bit i wouldn't say industrial but they they do have one album the stoppenberg sessions which is sort of an industrial remix by um john loamfield of stoppenberg which i guess is a uh 
studio or something. I'm not sure, actually. And then a couple remixes by him. And actually, the song that I picked is actually one of those, it is one of the industrial remixes on that album. But this is the original one. And um, I just like this band, and nobody knows who they are, and I feel they should. So I picked them. I think, so this is a band, I think, who, like, probably will remain underground just because they are in a real oversubscribed black metal subgenre, which is that, like, old Swedish black metal worship, the um, dissection, nagnafar, necrophobic, that kind of, that kind of sound, that the sort of very melodic, but very riffy, it's kind of, it's sort of catchy, but like really evil at the same time kind of sound. And this guy, this guy is very, very good at that sound. But it's it's just a like, I can think of so many bands doing that sort of, not quite dissection worship, but that really dissection influence sound that I think it must be hard for someone to like break through to the surface like that. But as a one-man project, it is amazing he can do that so well because it's not like your traditional one-man black metal where, you know, your drums are just blasting throughout and you've got to, you know, but essentially you've just got to have really amazing right-hand technique and great composition skills. This guy's also got to have, like, fantastic lead chops, the ability to, like, write riffs, have that really engaging voice, like you said. Like, it's... um. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think this is a one man band. This one, I until I looked it up, I was certain there'd be more people in it. And yet, like his lead guitar work is something that caught me like straight away. I really love the solos on this album. Yeah, the um, I think his last album, he actually had a, another drummer, like actually do drums, but um, it's the different drummer than he had live. But that drummer live was a tomahawk man. It just insane. So yeah, I'm really excited for to see what comes out of this. Uh, he just put a new single out this week for his new album, and it is fantastic. So I'm really excited for where this goes. Yeah, I, I mean, with um, with Scales Existence, that was the only one of his albums I listened to, but I'd definitely be up for checking out more. And especially seeing that evolution, if he's saying there's that like almost like industrial element he's bringing in, because I, I would wouldn't say that's massively present in this album, like. The only other influence I got outside of that sort of like Swedish black metal sound was um, on a couple of tracks, like something like I Despair. Um, there was a real like traditional heavy metal vibe, like an almost new wave of British heavy metal, which I, I can see that like overlap of those two sounds, like that, that kind of Iron Maidenisms coming into that sort of, um, yeah, that, that kind of sound, like re- really fit really nicely. Well, I would say the best, his best album, I think, is uh, Monarch of the Damned. I think as an album, that's probably the best album. It's just this song <laughs> I loved. So yeah, yeah, this is this is a killer track. But yeah, okay. Well, after this, then I'm gonna have to check out Monarch of the Damned. Yeah, and ch- check out the Stoppenberg sessions where they do the industrial remix. And I think maybe that's why I think industrial because I freaking love the remix that they did on this, and it it just sort of reminds me of the old. KMFDM type of remixes of White Zombie or something where it's like just changes it just a little bit and you're like, this is actually really cool. So that, that's that's awesome. I, I can't imagine quite how that sounds. So yeah, that's definitely something to dig into.
thing I actually want to mention, just because you touched on it earlier, was um, you brought up our, our friend Ian and the Are You Morbid podcast. Um, some listeners of this may have been fans of those guys back in the day. I don't know if you've heard, like, Ian um, has started a new podcast uh, called Shuffle Repeat, I yes, believe. Yes, Shuffle Repeat. Yeah, which is going to be, like, way broader than Are You Morbid as ever was. So I highly advise listeners go check that out as well if uh, yeah, if you like like this recommendation. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, Zach and Ian are doing, and it's all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think the first four, they just started really doing like anything they wanted. And I think it'll probably sort of get more into what you sort of expect, but it's going to stay a lot of broad strokes. So we'll see. All right. So the next one Donovan recommended is quite left field, I think, in comparison to everything else. This is uh, the band Scarfe with their um, third album, Scarfe Cubed. Um, I think that's how you say the band name. It's S K P H E S K A P H E, and we mentioned Obsidian Tongue having sort of like long metal archives entries. Bloody hell, the three guys in this have been in a lot of bands. So I think they're primarily primarily US based, but have recently got a high profile Icelandic musician involved. Yes. So do you want to give some background on this, Donovan? I know nothing about them except they're supposed to be from Philadelphia, which, although I think they're also from Brooklyn, New York, there's a lot of confusing where they're actually from. The vocalist, though, is from Missenbering, from Iceland. And uh, the drummer used to be in, in Fury at one point. So that tells you he's techni- got some technical chops um, on that one. But uh, they're... It's a lot of cool little interludes between songs that are more psychedelic than black metal. And then it just goes into a swirling maelstrom of guitars and drums. And it's very Icelandic sounding um, along the lines of a bunch of bands. I can't say any of their names. <laughs> so uh, H-R-A-E, that band, but with the A and the E sort of squished together. Um Yeah. I'll, I'll let you handle this because I'm. Yeah, so this this is well and truly in that vein of that like chaotic, dissonant black metal. You, the stuff that is, I think, at the end of the day, always sort of somewhat taking influence from like the Death Spell Omega school of songwriting. But there, there's that whole like sort of jazzy dissonance in there, possibly even taking influence from stuff like Gorguts. Um, like a lot of those, this has that kind of absolute like chaotic nature but what's particularly interesting donovan mentioned like the songs being like almost interludes but like interlude kind of like one minute long songs between like three minute kind of bursts of like incredibly intense hateful noise but what's really strange is over the really short runtime of this album it like flows as one continuous piece it's like I could not, if I was forced to, like, tell you where tracks have stopped and started, if it wasn't for, like, load times of streaming it, I would have no idea where, like, one song begin began and the next, like, yeah, the one stopped and one began. Like, it's very interestingly composed like that. It does feel like they wrote a half-hour-long thing and then just chopped it up. Yeah, exactly. And what was funny is I was re-listening to this album, preparing for this, and... I was like, where did I, what song did I pick the clip from? And I'm like, wait, what song am I on? <laughs> like, you literally can't tell when you hit the next song. It, what sort of gives it away is the interludes, even though they, an interlude is 
maybe not the right word. It's just it's a tiny bit mellower sort of like it seems like a bridge between the two like chaos songs, you know, like it'd be slow down chaos, slow down. That's the only thing that sort of lets you know that maybe the next song hit. Yeah, they, they, they sort of these these interesting build-ups between it, which I think are really great, as you say, like bridging moments. What I really like as well, so apparently he joined on the second album, but DG of Miss Brimming, um, his voice is the great like anchor in this, where the music is quite a lot to digest on your first couple of listens, but his like really clear and like just very charismatic voice, like instantly I've got something to sort of latch onto and enjoy while I try and unpick and understand the maelstrom. Before I forget, this is funny. I bought their sweatshirt and uh, it came and it was stuffed in my mailbox, wrapped in a garbage bag that was taped together. <clears throat> and I'm like, I posted a picture of it on Instagram and I'm like, this is the most interesting packaging I've ever seen. And the record label wrote, we ship you garbage, we put it in a garbage bag. And it was just funny. <laughs> like It was just like... <laughs> Because I had talked to the record label before about a different, uh, I was a serpent column T-shirt that I was trying to get, and it was held up in customs because of the whole pandemic thing. So I had sort of talked to them before, and it was right around that time I wore this shirt. So I think it was they were making a joke, but it was kind of funny. I never saw anything like it. <laughs> no, that that's quite it's quite interesting as well because this kind of style often has a real like overly serious nature to it so that, that's what <laughs> that's what surprised me because i was like oh these guys are you know they joke around what's bizarre about this one as well there was some surprises late in the album so i don't know i think barring mayor cogniton this has been a theme for everything so far there was actually some clean vocals in it towards the end of the album and then this really well-placed sudden melodic touch that was i know it just more surprises in an already interesting album and and they, they fit perfectly in this otherwise very dissonant kind of sound yeah because you were right it's a very despel omega type of just just craziness and the other thing i really liked about this which again probably less true of most of the other things we covered is really great um but heavily distorted bass tone in it like they use the bass as a very kind of important part of the instrumentation which again interesting because it is a free piece where the bass is also done by i believe the guitarist so um yeah it, it's one overall i feel way out of my depth to review because i don't know the other like the other band members have so many interesting projects and outside of miss springing i've never heard any of them i feel like there is a month's worth of research on these three guys alone oh yes and again I, it's it, it's definitely one of each one of those guys has months of research on albums and this is so high quality, I definitely want to check out that other stuff. But as Donovan brought up, the drummer is, was also briefly in in F Fury. And, like, that's, like, you know, kind of hyper-polished tech death, whereas this is this, like, incredibly raw, while technical, like, like so the antithesis of that band. So these guys have clearly have an incredibly variable, like, skill set. Right. I mean, it was the same old thing whenever you... You know, do new black metal bands. You always got to check metal archives and make sure you're <laughs> they're all clean. And when I hit Inferi, I'm like, oh, there's another band in, called Inferi. I'm like, oh shit, it's that band. Like this guy played in that band because it's, it's so. But then you listen to it. His drums are 
really good. It's just oh hell yeah! It's just a <laughs> completely different soundscape behind it. No, the drum performance on this is probably the standout musical performance. Like that guy is kind of brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. If you like that kind of distant sound, if you like stuff like Imperial Triumphant, this isn't the same thing, but there's there's that similar use of like. I, I guess ideas somewhere taken from jazz, ideas taken from playing with dissonance, but they bring a certain energy to it. It has that kind of, it is so to the point and short and like quick, like almost like a grind kind of aesthetic in some ways that they, they just one song to another, like these rapidly shifting ideas. Super interesting album. So this brings me on to another one I really liked. Um, this is a, an EP, actually. Pure Wrath, When a Great Man... Oh, sorry, The Forlorn Soldier, I should say, uh, from 2020, which is um, the third, I, th- I think, they had two albums before this. Right, and an yet EP. another one-man project from Indonesia this time. Right, and this one's crazy because it's... The, the songs are great, but 
what I really liked about it too was the story behind it. Because basically, the guy's from Indonesia, and he's telling the story about how horrible, like the 1960s genocide. And basically, the male farmers or the male members from farmer families were basically being accused of being communists. So they were killed and uh, vanquished by the basically the tyrant's army in the name of nationalism. And both sides uh, basically gave trauma and sorrow to the innocent people in the lands. They took their farms. Um, there was an alleged coup. They assassinated these leaders. And a lot of the people that were really hurt were the um, Garwini women, Javanese Muslims, Chinese Indonesians, and alleged left leftists. And they were lower class working people. And it was basically people being destroyed not with firearms, but with knives, machetes, and swords. And the bodies were just thrown into the rivers. Their homes were looted and burned and given to the military. And as recently as 2017, there was declassified U.S. documents that the CIA had detailed knowledge of the genocide and was somewhat supportive of the actions because of their anti-communist sentiment, supposedly. It's it's an incredible... It's an incredibly brutal kind of period of history. I watched a, an amazing Netflix documentary. I don't know if it's still up about it called "The Look of Silence." It's um, it's a hard watch, but if you know nothing about like yeah the the genocide in Indonesia, it's it's well worth um, well worth looking up. But yeah, like geez, that is some intense subject matter for for an album. And, and the thing is, despite how intensive the subject matter is. The way he constructs the songs, it's almost a tribute to the. It doesn't feel angry. It doesn't. Well, it doesn't feel evil like you would think. Oh, it's black metal and about genocide. It feels like a tribute to like the people who died and uh, making making their lives mean something. That's sort of how I took it, and it's it's just I thought a very inspirational album. It has. Um, great subject uh is handled very tactfully and the cool thing is for a one-man project somehow he learned to know the drummer from white port and he had i think as i understood it he had um program drums and then had the guy from white ward do the real drums and replace them so i, I believe he re i mean i know he recorded them i think he actually took his drums out and said why don't you just do them? And it turned out great. It's so it's a one man band with really good drums. This this EP sounds absolutely incredible, and it's it it's one of those things where it's an EP by virtue of being about half an hour long. It it's a very it's still a long and engaging listen. I just I was absolutely in love with this one straight away without looking into any of the subject matter or lyrical content for it. It has such an emotional weight to it. It is a real kind of gut punch of an album in many ways i found it very like just immediately like kind of really despairing in places and then with some uplifting passages but without being this like it's not like this kind of dsbm sound it's this very technically well executed polished thing but with just amazing use of sparing clean vocals and keyboards in certain places whereas otherwise being quite a brutal album in a lot of ways but it's just composed in such a way it never loses that kind of yeah really kind of sad atmosphere i don't know how he's created something that's so kind of blasting but always has that kind of 
feel to it. It's quite amazing. Yeah. I first time I heard this, I was blown away by it. And again, I was like, it doesn't feel like people know this. And I felt they should, because I think the, with the subject matter, the quality of the album and shit, it's a guy from Indonesia. He's a one man band and putting out something this quality, you know, I think that's amazing. So, um, backstory to the guy, he is a prolific dude. Uh, so, Ryo, the guy behind it, is the owner of Insidious Sound Lab and runs uh, Twilight Rain Records. Uh, so, he's an Indonesian guy, so obviously he has been involved in a load of brutal death metal albums because Indonesia is the shit for brutal death metal. Like, that's just what they're brilliant at. But, so, he is not only, he's got... A couple of solo projects doing a variety of stuff he has like a post black metal project he has like a brutal project he has like a more melodic one he's got pure wrath that have done quite a lot of material at this point but also he has been i think he's mainly in i think uh insidious sound lab is primarily the name of his like mixing company i don't know how much he like in studio records bands but he seems to have like a, on metal archives hundreds of mixing credits and all sorts of albums and again yeah runs a label putting out like a kind of variety of extreme metal for indonesia so this guy seems like a really like really interesting player in the scene and yet another one much like with scarfe where i'm i'm feeling lacking in <laughs> just having heard the one release from him because this guy seems to have a hell of a lot going on like yeah yeah, it's one of them I want to dive into if people would just stop releasing albums and give me time to go back. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like we, we can we just take a break for a few <laughs> months? I've got some discographies I really need to yeah, get my head exactly. around, guys. <laughs> but yeah, there's so much to love on this. Uh, I, I love how the album closes with this amazing melodic outro. For a piece like this, I think it would have been so tempting to do the traditional, oh, here's a three-minute keyboard song at the end, but... No, they, they just bring the whole EP to this wonderful, long, melodic close. And, like, that really got me. And and doing that kind of thing of introducing clean vocals in the final track is, like, here's another idea we're throwing at you. Like, really great stuff. <laughs>
right, so coming up to the last two, um, the next one is, oh god, uh, I should have done my research on how to say this one before, uh, Los Males del Mundo with their, um, actually, is this their, their, their second their album? Debut... It's their second oh, album. Oh, they, they've got like a an EP, EP ahead of this, yeah, album, they... right, first yeah. full length. And, and the album's called Descent Towards Death. So yeah, uh, Donovan, do you want to give some backstory? To this so thing? once again, this goes through the Mercognitum Acathexis thing. So I joined Twitter very late. Like basically, I was bored at the end of 2020. I put it off. I've been on Facebook. I'm like, I don't need. I like to put my opinions out, and 260 characters doesn't seem to be enough. But I finally decided to get on it, and I found out there's such a thing as metal Twitter. And Metal Twitter, somebody said that this album is great. And I was like, okay. So I listened to it. And I'm like, damn, this is fantastic. Looked it up. It's a singer from a Cathaxis. And I'd never noticed, like, I knew Deha and uh, Maricognitum from a Cathaxis, but I never noticed that Danny T did this. And then it turns out Danny T heard my Cathaxis thing that I did on Into the Combine. And I told him about it, and he's listened to it. So he started talking to me, and then he's like, well, you know I have this other band. So he starts pointing me to his other bands. I'm like, shit, I feel stupid, like, not realizing, yeah, he's got other stuff. Super nice guy. This album, like, I heard it, fell in love with it, and then it totally made sense when I realized who was singing as to why I liked it. It's just, it's in that vein of my spectral lore, Maricognitum, Cathaxis, and now... Los Melos de Monde, or I tried to, I might have over Spanish that one out, but we'll see. But yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, so so Donovan's put the pressure on because apparently he actually spoke to Don uh, Danny T like that he was going to be covering it, and I'd not heard the album at that stage, so I was like, I really hope I like this. Yeah. Fortunately, it's great. Like this is a really good album. It's very different from the other projects, Acafexas I'd heard, mm-hmm. which far more sounds like something written by Dea um, of Malady and Dea's solo albums kind of fame and Michael Nita movement earlier. Like it, that sounds like something created by those people. This has a very unique vibe to it because um, the one guy behind the guitars and bass for it, uh, Christian Yans, this is his only thing as far as I can tell. I, 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 he didn't have any other credits I could see. Um, and he's created quite an amazing kind of structure of songs. Like, it was really unique. The way the first track, um, Falling Into Nothing, started, it started out with this quite kind of melodic black metal intro. I was like, okay, I think I know where this is going. It was really nicely written, but I, I'd heard that before. But then there was a sudden change where it went kind of briefly really dissonant and then into this kind of more traditional black metal blasting section and then Danny T comes in with this fucking ridiculous scream. And I'm like, yeah. okay, now I'm on board. That, yeah. that was apps. That two minutes was this amazing kind of thrill ride. And like, the, that's the, that's just the start to the album. And his, his, the types of vocals he uses in there, they cross a gamut. Like he hits every type of vocal you can get. Like, so I yeah, yeah I loved it. There's some amazing stuff. There's like this really low vocal he does on the second track where I can't work out if it's pitch shifted or not. Where it's primarily sits in this like he can do these really drawn out high screams that just go and go. But he's like his his kind of comfort zone it seems is this more middling scream, and he, he's primarily known as a vocalist. Although, but according, according to Metal Archives, I don't have a physical copy of the album. Um, 
he's credited with drums on this and whether they're real or programmed the drum writing on this is fucking fantastic it's something that really made the album stand out for me was um how creative they were in those traditional black metal sections it would have been so obvious to go for blast beats through them but he seems to be doing everything possible to avoid doing a blast beat it's it's all like you'll get these the amazing rolling like repeating drum fills over a section or bits where you'll go really slow counter to the guitars going really fast like occasionally it will go for the traditional blast but i was just yeah i just felt the drums were so interesting through this that's one of the things with blast beats like i mean i love a good blast beat as much as the next person but there's something to be said about tasteful drums in a black metal song and not just overwhelming you with a, just nonstop blast beats. They're impressive and I like them, but like I like little rolls and fills and like when you notice that hey, they're not they're not just doing your normal stuff. This is interesting. And when you actually notice the drums because they're not just in your face nonstop, you start noticing little patterns and it's really it's fun listening to the drums again. It was really exciting because the guitaring was almost more traditional, but what he'd done with the drum work had given these changes of paces that weren't in, that wasn't so much in the guitar. Like the, the guitar was like, especially in the first track, it's fitting a more of a normal structure, but the drums keep kind of slowing down or what, well, not slowing down, but like getting less complex and then getting more intense. And it, it just gave it this really engaging kind of feel to it. And for like an 11 minute song, it just flies by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I love it. Heavy. And one of the things is it ends with one of the least black metal endings in the whole <laughs> thing. So I, I think it's great. It's got the atmosphere of something like Mericognitum kind of, I mean, but it's got forward vocals. And I mean, that's my basic notes on it so the vocals as they unlike a lot of the other bands we covered the vocals are like front and center they are the real thing to um to sort of you you immediately latch onto and and the fair play like danny t is an incredible vocalist i think more so than a lot of the other bands we covered like he is someone who is just a really accomplished screamer in his own right and again another person with a really dense like discography this guy's been involved as a vocalist in a lot of different projects and i believe across a lot of um different genres and the other thing I forgot to mention about this, like, these guys are an Argentinian band who, uh, this album came out in 2021, so it's a really recent release, um, a really new project, so definitely something to sort of jump on now, because it's, yeah, this is this is just happening. I don't know if there there's any plans for it to be a live outfit, but more so than quite a lot of the others we covered, this feels like it'd be very good live, like it has that kind of dynamics I'd love to actually witness in a room. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I had already given you my list when Danny T contacted me about the Cathexis. I'm like, well, you're not going to believe this, but <laughs> I'm, I'm and I'm like, then I, after I said, I'm like, shit, now I got pressure on myself on this one. I'm like, maybe I should have told him that afterwards, you know? <laughs> yeah. Make sure we didn't fuck it yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, we like it. Like at any rate, this is a really good album. Also, I, I like their unique take on an album cover. That kind of, it's an actual, like, you know, it's a, it's a like, kind of mocked up for its photo shoot thing of this kind of, like, weird creature pulling its face apart. I, yeah, very affecting album cover as well.
this will bring us on to the the final of Donovan's suggestions and the second one that I was actually familiar with ahead of time. So this is Forest with their debut album Forest. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. I um, think the so. band name spelled F O R H I S T, and very notable release because it's put it. It's a one man project, we believe, by Vince Val of Bluetooth Nord fame. Um, there's not much to say about the band outside of that because Vince Val is actively sort of in the press for this said, I don't want anyone to know about this. I don't like, I don't want anyone to know about anything outside of the music. It is just a purely like, he just wanted to sell. This is something for some reason he felt the need to release under a different name for Bluetooth Nord, which is interesting because Bluetooth Nord have a lot of different variations. Yeah. It's, it's not there. like Bluetooth Nord is like this one sound and he's like, I want to do something different. They go all over the board. He could have easily stuck this in under that name. But it is, it, it's an interesting idea. But what is what is kind of striking about this, considering it's an album by Vinsvald, is it is a very traditional black metal album. Totally, it, it's definitely it doesn't have all the like the last Blue Dust Nord album, you know, the with the mushrooms and the what's hallucinogen. Hallucinogen, yeah. It, it it had sort of a a feel of hallucinogen. This one's just this is a black metal album. But for all that, like, Blutes has not always been famed for doing amazing, like, weirdness, for coming up with new stuff, like uh, an album like The Work Which Transforms God or their 777 trilogy. Uh, uh, these really out there, odd takes on black metal, and often doing it before it was kind of the cool thing to do. Like, I feel a lot of his albums are somewhat um, underrated because they were just too much at the time. This is... This is the polar opposite to that, and I and it's really great, and it's great to show that he could have all along probably been more successful just being an Norwegian style um, black metal band because he's totally got the skills for it. This is a fantastic like early Norwegian kind of worship album. Like it's really really good at it. And uh, speaking of not wanting to do publicity for it, I got this on vinyl, and when it came, I opened it up. So the cover just has a little fox curled up in a thing. Inside, it's got an owl. Back, it has another picture. There's nothing. There's not yep. a single word in the thing except on the very, like when on the side of the vinyl, it just says forest in tiny letters. That's it. <laughs> it's the only words in the entire thing. The songs aren't named. There is no, like, I've got the CD. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's just. <laughs> yeah. There's no lyric book. Look, it's just a cardboard cover. Like, but lovely album. That image of like the fox curled at the center of a smile. Oh yeah, it's, like, it's really pretty. But not yeah, n- yeah. market. A marketing company would have said you're doing this all wrong. <laughs> but I guess if that's what you're trying to do, then. But but that's that's the kind of thing I do love about black metal for all its kind of. Um, kind of pomp and ceremony as I do love that you can have individuals like Vinsvald who is like you know totally anti any kind of marketing because whenever he's getting popular for a thing he's like well fuck it here's an album that's all folk influence like you yeah. like the distant stuff no this one's just all like great guitar solos like and I like that they've managed to find a niche where they can continue to put out albums and have a really receptive audience 
I obviously there's a question of why he decided to release this separately, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like it, it has his kind of trademarks. It sounds like his vocals. It might not be. I mean, obviously we don't have a lineup. We don't know that it's a one man project. I just assume so because he recorded the Seven 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 trilogy as as a one man guy. We know we know he can do everything when when pushed. Yeah, it's 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 newer to me because I never really was aware of them until uh, Hallucinogenic, and then went sort of back but again i haven't had time to go through their whole thing i just went back like one album and but i knew i loved it enough that the second you posted this that this was coming out and i'm like oh it's him it was an instant purchase for me so yeah they're they're one that if listeners haven't gone back like their latest album like blues to snort was this amazing kind of like very psychedelic very lead guitar led like beautifully composed black metal that 777 trilogy i keep talking about is this far more dissonant kind of horrific thing but then has this beautiful kind of very sad ending to it there's the memoria fetusa series which is far more lead guitar led far more kind of uh traditional black metal but in a different way to this this album doesn't have any kind of solos or anything like that whereas that's very long songs where they'll get into these long passages of like more self-indulgent moments this is very condensed very to the point um um also it really leans into that kind of like atmospheric stuff of i love the rain sound effects in this those kind of oh yeah it's songs right it's <laughs> they like really worked it worked great because at first i'm like oh this is like it starts off with these little foresty sounds and i'm like and it damn it if he didn't make it work it just it works great and i think it being to the point as well like because if you told me the concept of this, I would have been fully expecting a Passage de Hiva kind of oh, exactly, two hour exactly. long, like <laughs> walking through the snow with the sound of the blizzard. No, it's just little tasteful stuff. Not that, not that the other stuff's bad. I mean, I'm fine with the two hour. I, I have that one on pre-order too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that album is absolutely brilliant, but this isn't that this is a far more kind of to the point thing. It's only about 40 minute long. Listen, and he does throw some interesting. Like there are moments where it does get a little weird right at the end. Like the one, I think track seven gets a suddenly a bit kind of heavy in a way you weren't expecting. But for the most part, it's all fairly like you hear the first track. Like that's what you're getting throughout this. That's I don't know what else to say, but yeah, it's fantastic album. Love it. Yeah, Forrest doesn't give us a lot to add to that. Like, it is an absolutely brilliant release, but as I say, it is traditional Norwegian black metal as performed by French multi-instrumentalist weird genius. Like, What's funny is when I first did this, I'm like, well, it won't be that much research for Phil. He's going to be happy. And I was like, actually, shit. Nobody knows anything. Because <laughs> I was like, nobody knows about these bands. I'm like, he might be that guy that goes, I got to dig into this. And it's going to be tough because these guys... Not a whole lot known about some of them. The, the first and last one here, the, the, there is nothing to go on. This one, we've been actually told, don't look. Go yeah, away. exactly. <laughs> so that brings us to, to the end of Donovan's list. Like, as I say, a really cool kind of breakdown of like a load of different aspects of the genre and, and really up-to-date albums. Like that Forest one, if I didn't mention, is another 2021 release. So there's loads that you, you may have missed from this year that's... Um, coming out and donovan's always been a great help for having his ears to the ground like that so thanks so much for that donovan i got plenty more (laughs) also something we've been alluding to throughout the reason me and donovan know each other so well is because of the into the combine podcast 
Donna had mentioned he appeared on it recently. But the way we hang out and chat so often is the Into the Combo Backstage Lounge. Like, so, always got to plug those guys' Patreon because they're, they're really great at this. Like, their latest episode on Cannibal Corpse's whole discography was, was great fun. And that Backstage Lounge is the most chilled out metal discussion forum I could ever imagine. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, I honestly don't know if you could ever put a better group of people together. Like, everything, there's, everybody seems to have the same, eth, like, ethos or ethics or whatever. Like, there's no, we don't have any of the, there's no shit talking. There's no, it's just friendly banter and, and just a bunch of people that love to dive into stuff. And it's, it's, yeah, we've all become very good friends. And it all started because, a bunch of us were going to meet up for the first time at beer and metal. And then the pandemic happened and we decided, Hey, let's just do zoom calls. And we all knew each other from talking on the Facebook group. But you're like the first time I'm like, I hope these guys aren't a bunch of assholes. Like, I hope like when we start this zoom call, it's not just awkward. We've done like 57 of them. Now we've kept going like since the beginning, we just keep doing it every week. And it's one of the highlights of the week, you know, sitting around talking Jonathan about has kept me sane through kind of lockdown of like, that every most Saturdays we get together for like a Zoom call with a load of people from the Backstage Lounge and just talk metal, and it's you know it's been this really really amazing experience. And you know, particularly in the UK, I've not been able to get out and about much because we're not allowed. So it's been so nice to like have someone like someone to talk to about this kind of stuff where there is that easy common language because we're all into metal. If if a very wide kind of broad subset of like that genre, but. But all of us are. We're all into like various aspects of it, and it's like it's good. It's interesting to. It's metalheads. We get it. We all get the stuff. But yeah, so thanks so much for joining me. As I say, like if you guys want to talk to Donovan more, you can always join the Into the Combo and Backstage Lounge. But you mentioned your Twitter earlier, Donovan. Do you want to plug your handle on there? Oh, <laughs> well, this is funny. When I signed up for Twitter, I didn't really know what I was doing, and. There's this joke that somebody said I should get knuckle tattoos that said Dono Might. And so like I was just joking around and I put in Dono Might as my name. And then it turns out I didn't even notice apparently that was taken and they added five. So it's Dono Might five. Like Dino, Dynamite, <laughs> but D-O-N-O-M-I-T-E five. Yeah, so if you want to see a bunch of stupid t-shirts and records. Uh, I've been doing t-shirts of the day. For the since February twenty second, and I have one T shirt a day, and I still haven't run out. I still have plenty to go, which tells me I'm, I'm going to find out how many I actually have when I hit the end. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to this. But yeah, like Donovan's really interesting. That so yeah, well worth following if you have Twitter. But yeah, thanks so much for joining me, Donovan. This has been great well. Thank fun. you for having me. Great time. As always, if you want to get in touch, uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook at Breakfast Metal on Twitter or Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know, like, if you've got any great recommendations for black metal from the last, like, year or so, or especially 2021, because obviously we're doing all the year-end stuff, and there's a couple on this list that will definitely be sitting around those lists, I think, in a few months' time. But yeah, thanks thanks so much for listening, and thanks a lot for joining me, Donovan. (laughs) 